Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. with congenital heart defects, and our show today is The Natural Course of Congenital Heart Disease. Our guest is Dina Barber. Dina Barber graduated from Kent State University with a bachelor's degree in nursing in 1983. For the last 33 years, she has worked in Akron, Ohio as a nurse, but over the last 12 years, Dina has become a subject matter expert in adult congenital heart disease care, including the natural course of congenital heart disease in adults and the challenges this unique population of survivors face. Dina's nursing passion is caring for adults living with congenital heart disease. As nurse program coordinator, she has the privilege of managing and coordinating the special care of adult congenital heart patients in Akron Children's Hospital. Dina believes that all adult congenital heart patients deserve expert ACHD medical and nursing care. Transition is a journey over years and includes learning how congenital heart disease may impact many areas of a patient's life. Nurses are in an exceptional position to partner with their patients as they travel through life with congenital heart disease. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Dina. Thank you, Anna. I am happy to be here, and I think this is a really important topic, so I'm pretty excited about the show. It is an important topic, Dina, and it's been amazing to me, all of the people that I've talked to during this season, so many of the commonalities that they have. And so I'm curious what you as a nurse are going to say today. You've been a nurse for 33 years, and you've had a chance to watch the field of pediatric cardiology grow and change. You've changed as a nurse, too. So can you tell us how you became interested in pediatric cardiology? Sure, yeah. It's been a great 33 years. My original career started in an adult emergency room. It was a hospital that most of the heart patients went through in the whole entire city of Akron, so we had heart patients every single day. I love taking care of them, but I really wanted to take care of kids. So I came to Akron Children's Hospital a lot of years ago in 1986, and I took care of some of our more simple cardiac patients at the time. I was a charge nurse on that unit, but then in 2001, about 15 years ago, I started here in the heart center taking care of first pediatric patients, and then in 2004, I became a specialist in our adult congenital patients. And now that is my passion, and that's what I do on a daily basis. Wow. It's nice to talk to somebody who's passionate about that because, as you know, my son is an adult survivor, and I don't think there are enough nurses like you out there. Oh, thank you. I think that the whole population is underserved. I think us as a medical community are starting to understand the importance of educating ourselves and educating our colleagues on this growing population, and we all need to be prepared for this. It is a growing population, and it's so funny because I remember hearing doctors say that you can't treat children like little grown-ups. The converse is true. You can't treat adult congenital heart patients like babies. No, you can't. They're very, very different. They are. There's a natural progression of most of the disease courses, and it's a mistake to think that adults are little children as well as it is a mistake to think that children are little adults. Right. So now we have more adult survivors than babies being born in the USA. How do you feel nursing as a field has had to change or adapt to that situation? 
I feel our biggest challenge is really to understand why our population has increased. We have the advent of the heart-lung machine. The first time it was used was 1953, and that gave us the ability to perform more complex operations on very, very young, very sick infants. Then the advancements in the medical care that we can give those children have now enabled them to become adults. That's why we now have more adults living with CHD than we do children. Also, understanding why many of our adult congenital patients still receive care in a pediatric setting can be really challenging. When you're a pediatric nurse, you don't expect to see a 50 or a 60-year-old there. There are many models of ACHD care across the country. Some patients are seen in a pediatric setting. Some may be seen in an adult setting, and some, like in my institution in Akron, are seen in a combination of both. As much as I do love taking care of heart patients, I really was a little unsure when I interviewed my first 68-year-old adult congenital patient. It was really a different experience for a pediatric nurse. Mm -hmm. And I think if you work in an adult setting, you may never have seen a congenital heart patient. It's an exciting time to be a nurse, but I think it can be a little frightening and a little overwhelming for the medical community. Oh, I can only imagine. If I was used to working with babies and small children, and then all of a sudden a 68-year-old person walks in. (laughs) 68, by the way, is young, but when you're not used to it, it's scary. Well, compared to a two-year-old, it's not. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) it's not. Not at all. you're thinking maybe the grandparent came in. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow, but how exciting is that? I mean, as a nurse, it must give you a huge appreciation for how far the medical community has come. Mm -hmm. It does, and when you understand the natural progression of congenital heart disease and why somebody my age might not have known anybody with a heart defect when I was growing up, because unfortunately we didn't have the technology we have now, it's very satisfying to think that people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s now are going to have very long, very full lives that maybe half a century ago these patients might not have had. Wow, that really does kind of bring it to light, though, doesn't it, Dina? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. It really does. Wow, half a century. Yeah, I feel lucky that my son was born when he was. He was born 22 years ago, and I have a 25-year-old and a 22-year-old, and the difference just in those three years is actually fairly phenomenal. But Mm -hmm. look Mm -hmm. way beyond 25 years, and things were a lot different, and my son might not have made it. What do you think is the biggest challenge you have faced as a professional in a field that has been growing and changing as rapidly as yours has? I feel real strongly about this, that my biggest challenge is to help other medical professionals understand the complexity of this patient population. Not only do the patients have complex medical needs, they have complex nursing needs. Now that the patient population is growing, more and more of our adult providers are going to be asked to care for adult congenital patients, and they may have non-congenital heart patient issues, but they still have this overriding ACHD problems. Something as simple as having a patient go to the dentist, which all of us know we need to do, may become much more of a complex problem when you have congenital heart disease. If you need your wisdom teeth removed, if you need an outpatient surgery, the complexity can really increase. And I think it's very, very important that the ACHD community realizes we need to help our colleagues understand how to care for this patient population. We want to tell the patients that you always ask your health care team before you have any procedures. 
You talk to them about what their plan is, and you consult your team so that you can receive the best, safest care for your particular situation. I just love hearing that. This team approach that the medical community seems to be taking nowadays is so heartwarming to me as a mom. Because I don't have to worry about my son just being left alone out there, isolated, and not sure Mm -hmm. what to do. Mm -hmm. Instead, I really do feel that there are a team of professionals that want to make sure that he gets the right care. He's on a variety of drugs, just as many ACHDers are. And how those drugs interact with other drugs that they may be given, it could be a little bit different. And so I think you're Mm -hmm. right that You probably do have a big job, Dina, to let these others, especially the non-cardiac professionals, know what's special about your population because it really is a very unique population. It sure is. It's a wonderful population. It's growing daily. We get more and more survivors out there, and they come across many, many non-ACHD problems, and it's an important part of my job is to advocate for those patients, educate the other professionals, and provide as much support as I possibly can to my patients. I love that. We need to take a quick commercial break. Don't leave yet, friends, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Dina about what children with congenital heart defects transitioning from teen to adult need to know about. We'll be back right after this brief commercial break. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is a natural course of congenital heart disease, and our guest is Akron Children's Hospital Nurse Program Coordinator for the Adult Congenital Heart Service, Dina Barber. Dina, transitioning from teen to adult is a challenge for people in the best of circumstances. There are certain challenges that are unique to those born with congenital heart defects, especially critical congenital heart defects, which require multiple surgeries for care. Can you tell us about what you've witnessed regarding the transition from teen to adult heart survivors in Akron? I think the most important thing I've witnessed is the absolute need for us to continue to stress to our patients and for them to fully understand the importance of lifelong care. Most teens and young adults feel invincible. They feel like, oh, I don't really have an issue. I may have been fixed when I was younger. I had surgery, but that's not a big deal. Continue to see their friends and family, but they don't want to come to the heart doctor. And resistance to anything that their peer group doesn't do can be very intense. So I feel it's important for our patients to realize transition doesn't always mean transfer. There is a transfer component, but transition is an actual educational process to prepare them to assume responsibility for their own health care, no matter who provides that care. Oh, wow. Yeah, and when we don't prepare the patient, we're doing them a huge disservice. And that can have potentially life-threatening repercussions. It really is of utmost importance to establish a trusting, open relationship with our teenagers and our adolescents. And then they can talk to us at any time about any question they have. We can leave no question unasked. Yeah, we want to discuss things like anatomy, surgeries, catheter-based interventions, medicines, and so on. But we also want them to have that trusting relationship so that we have a foundation for any question that comes up during the transition process. And because there are lots of different questions, I mean, in the course of the eight seasons that I've been doing this, we've talked about alcohol and drugs and tattoos and pregnancy and so many different issues, Dina, and a lot of those topics come up when you're a teen. 
They do, and teens are fond of pretending they're not listening or acting like they are not part of the discussion. The parents and the healthcare team are discussing their health, they're laying back on the bed, they're listening to their radio or their iPod or you know, whatever they may have with them, and it's hard to ask or voice concerns if they don't feel part of our team. Right. We're not the team. The teen and his family, his or her family, is part of all of the team. The teenager or the adolescent is often fairly well-informed and interested, but the parent or the healthcare team doesn't think they're involved. Mm. So as a nurse, we should include the teen. We should advocate for our patients. And some say that as early as 10 to 12 years old should start being involved in at least some of the discussions and suggestions and decisions that have to be made. I totally agree with that, being a mother of an adult survivor. So what do you think is the biggest obstacle that the teens have to face when they're doing this huge transition? And granted, I've talked to enough adults now that I know that it's not always teens who are transitioning. Sometimes the people don't really transition to ACHD care until they're in their 20s or later. Yes, and I think that is a huge disservice. I think that if we can start earlier, including our teens in the discussion, tailor their involvement to their age and their developmental level, but always include them. If you wait till somebody has reached 18 or 20 or 22, and then you say, oh, by the way, here's the name of your defector. Oh, don't forget, this is why you take your antibiotic, that you've missed a really important part of the transition process. Even young children can understand you're always going to come to the heart doctor. This is a special doctor. They're always going to be part of your life. There might be other doctors and nurses involved, but this is just a natural part of what you do. By the time they become an adolescent, they say, oh, yeah, I know. This is just what I do. I come to the heart doctor to stay healthy. The patient's the most important part of the team. So the more involved you can make that patient in that team approach, the better off that we're going to do. If we wait too long, the relationships aren't there, the trust is mm -hmm. not there, and we lose patients to transition, we lose them to follow up, and then mm -hmm. bad things can happen. Right, right. And that's really scary. It is scary. Because then you see them in the emergency room. Or admitted to the hospital and having lots and lots of issues. And I really, really believe that if a patient does not understand from an early age that this is the norm, this may be a little unusual for some of your buddies or some of your friends, but this is what you do. This is the way we do it. This is why we do it. These are the people that are part of our healthcare team. And these are the people that are going to help you as you get older and older, that it becomes part of that person's psyche, so to speak. This is mm -hmm. just what they do. Right. And the rebellion is still there. Mm -hmm. I would encourage parents to let their teens talk to the healthcare team alone. Let them have the space they need to talk to the nurses, talk to the doctors, tell them what their concerns are. Mm -hmm. There may be very, very simple questions that they want to ask, and they're too embarrassed. They don't want to ask in front of mom and dad. They don't want them to know that, oh gosh, I didn't know exactly what an open heart surgery was. If you started at an early age encouraging your child to talk to the healthcare team, it will be a much easier transition for that teenager when they have those hard questions about tattoos and piercings and birth control and family planning and skydiving and scuba diving <laughs> and all of the things that people are really, really interested in. Right. So I think that parents can do their kids a really good service by giving them that space to get to know their healthcare team. I love the word team, and I didn't really use that much with my son when he was younger because there wasn't that feeling that there is now. Now you really do feel like there's a whole team approach, but 10 years ago, it didn't seem like that. Do you think so, Dina? Do you think this is something that's changing and evolving? I think it's something that's changing and evolving in the adult congenital community. I think that in pediatric cardiology, which is where all of our patients start, 
the team is the mom and or dad and the doctor. Mm -hmm. And then you throw the surgeon in there for the early operations that most of our kids have. Once the surgeon is done doing their work, you come for your checkups. We get this idea that, oh, things are much better. They're fixed. The surgery's done. Everything's great. So we just come for our checkup and we're going to move on. And I Mm -hmm. really believe as much as I love our pediatric cardiologist and in my hospital at Akron Children's, they're in the same hallway as the adult congenital. We're all in the same area. I think that in the eagerness to say things are real good, everything's great, we'll see you in a year, I think you miss that closeness and that ability to say, yes, we are very stable right now, things are good, but don't forget lifelong care, don't forget medicines, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think that the team approaches newer in medicine as a whole, and I think that adult congenital, because of the complexity of this disease process, that the team approach is inevitable and it is what serves best for the patient population. Oh, I just love that. That's perfect. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that information, Dina. We need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Dina about what kinds of problems adults with heart defects often face and what can be done to improve survivors' quality of life. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www www.babyheartspress.com Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is the natural course of congenital heart disease. Our guest is Akron Children's Hospital Nurse Program Coordinator for the Adult Congenital Heart Services, Dina Barber. We've been talking to Dina about the transition from teen to adult heart survivor, and now we're going to talk to Dina about the natural course for adult survivors. Dina, our adult congenital heart defect survivor population is at an all-time high. It seems like there are lots of questions regarding what parents of these survivors and their survivors themselves can expect. What do you think is the natural course for adult survivors? I would say our goal for all of our ACHD survivors is to not only survive, but to thrive in their lives. That's the overwhelming goal for all of our patients. But because adult congenital heart disease can't be easily put into neat boxes, the natural course is often difficult to predict. We like to emphasize our patients are never fixed or cured. This is a lifelong chronic disease. And there may be a disease range from simple to moderate to highly complex. So to begin with, the young adult should know that they need lifelong care. That can be a little difficult. If you thought you were fixed, it can come really quite a shock when your ACHD team explains that there are some long-term issues we need to follow. So let your ACHD team help you navigate the potential problems and partner with you as you start your adult life. You might have questions for them, and they can range from physical activity recommendations, limitations. What about educational decisions? What if I want to become an astronaut? Can I go into the air? Can I be a pilot? Life planning, family planning, contraception, employment. Can I work down in a steel mill? Am I okay to climb tall heights? Can I keep insurance? How do I get life insurance? Am I going to be able to have health insurance? Your team can help you as you discuss those topics. I can't predict for the entire population what exactly is going to happen to them. So you have to stay in close contact with them. Then when you get to middle age, it all comes for all of us equally. Patients with adult congenital heart disease, they're not immune to the effects of aging. 
You want to maintain a healthy weight. We've all heard this over and over, but it's so important. Never, ever, ever smoke. I very rarely use the word never, ever, but I'm going to use it now. Never, ever smoke. Take your medicines. Take them as prescribed. Call your doctor. Call your team anytime symptoms come up so that they can talk to you about what does that mean. I know patients sometimes think they're bothering us. I know they don't want to make that phone call one more time, but that's what we're here for. Call us. How can we help you if we don't know what your concerns are? In the natural course of your unique ACHD and what you can expect as you enter your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh decades of life does need to be discussed with your team. That should be a question you ask every time. How do I get into the next decade? What do I need to do to keep myself happy and healthy? And then once you reach into the 70s, oh, we do. We have patients in their 70s and even older, and we continue to be an important part of their team. Conversations, communications, openness with your team as you progress through all of the problems that might come up for your individual defect and disease. I've talked to enough people now that one of the problems that the adults that I'm talking to are having is that they're outliving the career length of their providers. (laughs) And so their nurses and doctors are retiring on them and they don't want them to retire. And that's funny you should say that because my patients will say, well, I'll be able to come here for a long time. You'll be here. And I'm like, no, I really hope to be retired and the next set of providers be here. What a great problem to have finally. What a great problem that we're able to retire and our patients are still thriving and moving into the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth decades of life. That's a wonderful problem to have. Well, it's a good problem for you, Dina, but my friends are very unhappy that they have to train a whole new set of doctors and nurses. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Yeah, you, yeah, the patients are the best educators for all of us. They really, really are. It's almost like they have to transition all over again, Dina. Well, you know what I would like to believe in the medical community, especially the ACHD community, is that we're getting better at understanding that. We're getting better with electronic health records that um, we can reach into technology, we can reach into the internet, the cloud, and we can pull out those records from X, Y, and Z institution. And we can look at those and say, okay, I don't have to ask 50 questions. I can go in and say, so I see that at this age you had this operation. This is the doctor that did this. And then I see that you had this problem and then you had this procedure done. And so instead of the patient explaining, they simply say, well, golly, that is exactly what happened to me. (laughs) So I'm hopeful that we're getting much, much better and technology is helping us so that they don't have to explain themselves for the 35th time. Okay, I was born with blah, blah. And it's unfortunate that it's taken technology this long to catch up, but I think that we're doing better. And I think there'll be less of that transitioning the next group of physicians and nurses into what your problems are. That's all a good point. I think that's great. I know here in Texas, the hospitals are now using EPIC Mm -hmm. which is one way that hospitals can communicate with one another, just in exact the same way that you were talking about. And they can even pull up the last echo. They can look at x-rays. They can look at all different kinds of tests that have been run, which is really awesome. But It's very important. I think it is important. But we also have the Adult Congenital Heart Association. We have Facebook. We have Mended Little Hearts. We have organizations that are helping to promote the idea that these adults should know what's going on with them. And we're also giving them tools. There are now apps like my heart app that one of my guests has created oh if you're looking for a great app to put on your phone and you are a nurse or a survivor or a doctor my heart app no spaces just all put together in one word and it helps them to chronicle any heart palpitations faintness any symptoms that they may be having and they can keep a diary so they can share that with their doctors or their nurses or healthcare providers so there are so many more tools i know the acha now has what they're calling their 
medical passport. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's really helpful. Again, it's not like you have to say everything out loud. It's all in this one form that the professionals are getting used to seeing. And I think you're right. Technology is catching up with where we need to be. But I don't know. These adults are taking us in new places. And so now I'm wondering, what are some of the common problems that you see people experiencing as they age? Like you said, if you smoke, if you're obese, of course, you're going to have the same problems that anybody would have, whether you have a heart defect or not. But what problems are specific to the heart community that you're seeing in the aging population? I think that can be broken down into two things. As a generality, finding ACHD appropriate care is probably the biggest problem across the country. We don't have enough providers. We don't have enough clinics. We don't have enough nurses. We realize that. We're doing things to help that. Finding caregivers that understand what your congenital heart disease is can be really hard. Great if you live on the East Coast, the West Coast, but what if you're in Montana or Alaska or you need to drive five hours or longer to find somebody? Mm -hmm. So utilizing the center that you're closest to to help you find local providers is one very, very good thing. Partner with your team, find a local cardiologist that can understand what's going on and understand when to escalate things up. And then when you do start to have problems, what are those problems? And again, this is going to be specific to the disease that you may have, but we do see arrhythmia problems. Mm -hmm. So abnormal electrical impulses, patients might be having palpitations, they might be having dizziness spells, depending, again, on your disease. There may be some heart failure symptoms, and I don't love that word because it's a scary word, but it simply means your pump is not working as well as it should be. Patients might be having swelling. They may be having some shortness of breath. I think activity intolerance is a big issue that our patients face, and they need our help to decide, is it your heart that's having some problems? Are your lungs affected, or are you simply possibly deconditioned and need to get some more activity? Ask your physician, ask your provider for an activity prescription. Ask them, what is it that I shouldn't do? But more importantly, what is it I should be doing to keep my heart healthy? Most of our patients can walk. Walking does not mean taking a stroll around the block. It means getting your heart rate up. It means getting yourself sweaty and getting your body moving. So ask your provider, give me a prescription for my activity so I know what I should be doing. Give me a physical activity prescription. Let me know how I can continue to keep myself healthy, how I can avoid some of these problems that you're seeing. I think this is so important, Dina, because a lot of the adults that I'm talking to, especially the older adults, were told as children not to exercise. And now all of a sudden they're in their 40s or their 50s and they're being told, oh no, you need to exercise. <laughs> it is a 180 degree turn. Yeah. Again, it, historically we didn't have the large population that we had now. So we're not sure what we should do, but it's probably bad that you do anything. So why don't you just sit on the couch? Why don't you read your books? Why don't you relax? Because we didn't know any better. Right. You know, We've learned as our patients have aged and the population has grown, we've learned to do more and more research and look into things and we've discovered not the best advice we've ever given, but we can change that. We can right. now tell you based on research and evidence, this is why we think this is a good idea. Come in, have a stress test, have a cardiopulmonary exercise test. Let's push you a little bit. Let's see what your heart does. So when you're at home running or jogging or walking or biking and you start to feel a little bit tired and a little sweaty, okay, this is just normal. I'm supposed to feel this way. This is not mm -hmm. heart related. This is exercise related. Right. So we did. We kind of made people a little paranoid when they were growing up and patients remember that mm -hmm. we they will really say do. I, they <laughs> do and we'll say I need you to walk 30 minutes at least five oh no I can't do that I'm not allowed to exercise yeah so we immediately know we've got some work to do 
point. And I think we're doing it. And you coming on a program like this and sharing your expertise is one great way for us to help educate our community. I just hope more people can find out about the show because thanks to technology, you can listen to it at your convenience. It's not like it's a live show that you only have this one 30-minute golden opportunity to listen to it, but now it's in archives and anybody will be able to listen to it at any time. I have one more question for you, Dina. What advice do you have for survivors to help them have the best quality of life as they transition through these different phases of adulthood? I have two pieces of advice. One would be take very, very good care of yourself. You're not immune to acquired heart disease diabetes, hypertension, any of the other adult issues that can come up. So take very, very good care of yourself. And the other is advocate for yourself. It can include going to your lawmakers and being involved in legislation, but more importantly, advocate for yourself every day, especially when you're involved with the medical community. No, I am an adult congenital heart patient. I have a very complex, I want you to call my doctor. No, I'm not going to take that without an okay. I do deeply respect the whole medical community, but this is a very unique population and there are not very many people out there that can confidently say, oh, I understand what a Fontan physiology is. Oh, I understand what the mustard procedure is. Continue to advocate for yourself. I have a team. I would like them called. I have a team. I would like them involved. Wow, I love that. That is so important. And especially as you're aging, I think that trying to figure out, am I tired because I'm getting older? Am I tired because after I exercise the way that I did and sweated, it's normal to be tired? Mm -hmm. Or is there something going on with my heart? And when you have that trust in the team that you've been talking about and you learn how to be an advocate for yourself, you become less fearful of asking the questions and getting the answers. And you trust the information that you're given. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Dina, for coming on the show and sharing your experiences and advice with us today. Thank you for having me, Anna. It was a wonderful experience. Anyone that's listening, I encourage you to go back through the archives. I've listened to quite a few of them. They're excellent. Lots of good information out there. So thank you for what you do, Anna. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. I love being a host of Heart to Heart with Anna. And that concludes this episode today. Please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com and our Cafe Press Boutique. And follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. Remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.